Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode. Well, maybe it's exciting. We'll see. Exciting episode of the Fat Guy Forum. I'm your host, Gourmet. Glad that you are listening with us today. I'm really excited for the guest that I've got coming on with you right now. His name is Joel Reed. You may know him as Big J Reed on Instagram. And he's got one heck of a story that he has packed into about half of my lifetime. So uh, I'm pretty excited uh, for you to, to get to know Joel, hear a little bit about his experiences, and we're going to kind of really dive into the, the fat guy experience with him. So Joel, how you doing? Doing great, man. Never been described as exciting before, so. I know, right? There we go. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, at the end of the day, I might have to cut that out. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, who knows? But. <laughs> But to open this up, to get this started, the, the Fat Guy Forum is, is really about bringing the stories of, of guys out there so people know that they're not alone and what, what other guys have been through. So I want to let you get started, turn it over to you, let you tell us a little bit about you know where you're coming from and what you've been through. All right. Awesome. Thanks, man. So really, my journey, it's always been going. I've always been the fat guy. Uh, I, my, my dad was a bigger guy. Some of my brothers and sisters have been bigger. They've since lost weight. But growing up, I was always around bigger people. So it was always kind of normalized in my head and I was just always the fat kid. That was kind of my identity. But if things really kind of took off for me weight wise, whenever first off, when my mom got diagnosed with cancer back in 2004 and mm -hmm. then when my dad passed away in 2006. Um, and after, after he passed away, my mom and I, we were just, obviously we were living just us two. And, um, we started, um, it, it was kind of a gradual decline into just almost like a hermit kind of life. We almost came shut-ins. Uh, and when the cancer was spreading, it kind of got to the point where she couldn't like leave the house much. Mm. So we were eating a lot of delivery food, like, you know, pizzas multiple times a week and Chinese food, copious amounts of Chinese food and stuff like that. Um, and then eventually, sadly, she did pass away in 2010. And I moved up, and at the time I was around 370, probably, give or take, probably like 375, something like that. So not like stupid, stupid obese, but pretty, pretty fat. And how and old were you then, Joel? I was uh, 15. Okay. Yeah, she passed away when I was 15. And then after that, I moved in with some guardians. And thankfully, I started getting my life back on track. They were very health conscious or much more than I had um, ever seen in my life. So they were very health conscious. They taught me about, you know, losing weight and got me in the gym. And the problem was with this is I wasn't really doing it for myself. It was almost like I was kind of just following what they did. And sure. Um, which I, again, I very much appreciate everything they did. They always had my best interest in mind and they always tried to help me and I'll, I'll forever be grateful, but I just wasn't as bought in as I should have been. Mm. So around my junior year of high school, which was 2012, 2013, I started to turn back to my old ways. Like I would, I started going back to fast food again around the time I could drive. So I had pretty much as much access as I wanted to drive throughs and fast food after school and even buffets after school, which was a whole nother just bad time. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. So through, through my senior year of high school, I started gaining weight again. Um, oh yeah, and sorry, I forgot to say this, but when I was living with them and they were health conscious, they got me, got me down to around 260, 270. So they, they got me down around a hundred pounds, which mm. I was extremely thankful for. I was feeling great. <laughs> but again, through my senior year of high school, I started gaining weight, you know, eating more and more. I remember times that I ate till I puked. It was almost mm. like, it was almost like my life was about food. I know you've mentioned oh, that sure. before with you. It was basically... Mm -hmm. You know, my life, I woke up and thought, you know, oh, what am I going to eat after school today? All this. And um, it kind of lasted through my freshman year of college. And I ended up, at, as most of you know, if you've seen my story, I've topped the scales at 467 pounds after my freshman year of college. And um, after that, I moved up to North Carolina. From I was originally from Texas, and I moved up to North Carolina to live with some family. And, um, it's, we all agreed that something had to change, you know, it, um, I just had, I had to change or, you know, I was pretty much killing myself. Oh, for um, sure. So I, it started kind of the same way that 
I did the first time. Uh, it was gradual. I started eating healthier and exercising more and more, kind of gradually worked up from walking every day to going to the gym, to doing classes, just all kinds of stuff, and then fixing my diet. And then eventually I had lost, by 2017, I had lost 230 pounds. And mm. here we are, pretty much 2019. I've I've gained a little bit back with powerlifting and football, but probably about 20, 25 pounds, but I'm still kept, I've still kept most of it off. And yeah, that's pretty much where we are today. That, that's awesome, man. And one of the things I, I want to make put out there to the listeners right now, because I know a lot of my listeners are keto community people. <clears throat> you, you, you didn't do a keto diet, right? Like your, your diet was, was different. Yeah. Well, it was weird. I tried different diets all over the place. Mm -hmm. Keto was not one of the ones I tried. Um, I had a couple of friends that did a very dirty keto uh, mm -hmm. did weight loss challenges at work. And it was a very dirty keto kind of like, oh, I'm just going to eat this, you know, cheese, this chicken quesadilla with cheese, but you know, minus the tortilla and all this sausage and everything. So it wasn't very strict. It worked for them, but so I didn't really ever try it, but, um, sorry. Uh, I know. But so, yeah. so, so what was your diet? Like, what, what do you think, what was the type of diet that really helped you the most? Right. So, I um, I noticed most of my time, uh, or most of the, most of the, uh, weight loss came off when I started doing a little bit of low carb. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't very strict. It was just like, I cut them out for a while, but the problem was I was miserable. Oh yeah. Um, it was basically just chicken and vegetables or a protein shake mm -hmm. for a meal. And it was very sustainable. So, Ever since then, I've noticed I've, well, all along, sorry, but all over the place, but it's okay. all along, it's, okay. it's just been logging my food and mm -hmm. staying at a calorie deficit. So as I said, I've tried all these diets, but really the one underlying theme has been staying at a calorie deficit and making sure I right. burn more calories than I'm eating. So I've tried both carb, I've tried paleo, I've tried different versions of things, but the one consistent thing was just eat less, do more. Exactly. And I, I think that's a big lesson. I think sometimes when people get hooked up on a specific type of diet and they think there's something magical about that type of diet. Like people know me as the keto guy, but I'm also very open about the fact that for me, keto helps me control my appetite and my calorie intake at the end of the day. You know, it's still mm -hmm. about tracking my calories and knowing what I'm eating and all of those things. So for whatever reason, you you shift your macronutrient ratios or whatever. You know, we all know that at the end of the day, like, it's got to be about putting less into your body and moving your body more. You know, right, exactly. There, there's, there's some bottom line basics there. So, you know, you, that's how, you know, I know we, we, we went through it quickly, but, like, that's quite the journey. Because how old are you now, Joel? I am 23 right now. So, you, so you're 23, and in, in, in 23 years, you've gone from being very, very obese uh, to losing a ton of weight. And then kind of finding this passion, you know, for what you're doing now with powerlifting and football and like, it, it's a, it's a, it seems like you've got a different connection to your body. I think that's awesome. Definitely. And it, and the biggest thing for me over the journey was buying into it myself, like mm -hmm. not doing it to impress anybody, not doing it because, you know, I was told to, but doing it because I truly wanted to do it. And what do you, what do you think helped you make that shift? Cause I, I think that's important. I think a, a lot of us have been through different points in our, our journeys where <laughs> we lose weight or we try something. We, we try, well, we go to, we join a gym or, or join Weight Watchers or something because someone else prompts us to do it or someone else really is desperate for us to do it. You know, for, like you said, you know, when you're that big, your life's threatened. So what do you think helped you make that shift from not just doing it for other people, but finding that motivation inside yourself? So the biggest thing for me was, uh, I believe that, uh, trying to make other people proud and doing other people say is a great way to get started. If, mm -hmm. especially if you don't know anything, like if you know a dietitian or someone in your family is very health conscious, listening to them and taking notes and watching what they do can be very helpful. But at the same time, the biggest thing for me is finding what can get you to your goals, but doesn't make you miserable. Mm. So like I said earlier, I did do low carb or tried to do low carb for a bit, but I was miserable. So it wasn't very sustainable for me. And whenever a cheat meal came around, you know, I just went bananas. Oh, so, sure. So, like, I had to find something which ended up for me being weightlifting and a little bit of cardio afterwards and um, just finding foods that fit into my calorie allowance for the day that I enjoyed. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not talking like I'm not talking like candy and everything, which of course right. I did have that from now on from time to time. But I'm talking like you know sustainable foods. Like I ended up enjoying chicken and rice, which is very basic. But mm-hmm. yeah, well, I think that's like that's a part of it, isn't it? Like especially you know Joel and I have talked a lot about you know we both have had this kind of major food obsession in our lives and. Finding finding ways to eat that don't ignite that fire is really important when when that's an issue you deal with. Like finding foods that you can be okay with, but don't push you past that line of "Oh my god, I need more right now." Right, and also like one of the big things for me is obviously both of us know this feeling, but I always love to eat a lot. Mm-hmm. And so finding foods that were very calorie. De- or not calories, but didn't have much calories, but you got a lot of food for it. Was sure looking for me. that that volume, looking for that volume with your food that makes sense. Right. So one of the, one of the things you mentioned, like, and obviously I want to acknowledge. I'm sure there's people, there are people listening. You know your story. I mean, you've told it uh, many times, but there's some really kind of heartbreaking moments in your story. You know the tragedies you went through with your parents and and the different different places you had to move and, and those different changes in your life obviously have had an impact on you um, and affected, you know, your eating habits and, and the food that was around you and all of those things. Like, so one, I just want to acknowledge that I, I think it's incredible that you're able to go through that and, and then still be able to find this focus in your life to save yourself. Like, I, I think that's a, that's a powerful thing, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And, but- and I, I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Oh, I wasn't going to say anything. Sorry. I was just going to verbal tick. <laughs> oh, yeah. No worries at all. One of, one of the things that you talked about that, that was really interesting for me was what happened when you, got a, when you were able to drive and you get access to a car. Uh, because I know for me, that was when I think my weight skyrocketed because I, I was able to kind of take, because for me, eating had become about, like, I, I learned early on that have shame about my weight and my eating from my family like to from what the time I was 10 on you know they were telling me that you know I was wrong for being that big and there were big people in my family too like we were all yo-yo dieters but as soon as I had a car I was able to get to convenience stores that wouldn't recognize me and drive-throughs that could be different and wouldn't realize that I was going there every day you know mapping out different ones to go to so I, I think it's interesting when you can find people that kind of have those similar pieces um, right. What What was life like for you? Like one of the things I, I wanted, because a lot of people listening, I know I, a lot of listeners are closer in age to me. Um, you know, I'm in my 40s, but you were at your heaviest your first year in college, you know, around that time, um, yep. your first year in college, your sophomore year of college. What was it like to be that big and going to school? Like, what was it like, you know, with your friends and, and just your what was a day in your in Joel's life like then? Well, thankfully, I ended up having a good group of friends. Well, I mean, I always kind of seemed to use humor as a coping mechanism, I felt like, because like, mm-hmm. like you, I always found shame in what I was eating and my just my overall size. Like, I would always wear a shirt a size bigger, if that was possible sure. at the time, just to, like, you know, try to almost do damage control. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it's, right. not, it, it's hard to do at 467 pounds, but, you know, you do what you can. Um, but thankful, uh, thankfully, I did find a good group of friends. I wasn't very like ostracized or like made like bullied uh, ruthlessly. But a day in my life back then, it was you know get up. Um, then pretty much first, my first thought was like you know what am I gonna eat? Um, and I would you know go ahead. No, I wasn't interrupting you. I oh <laughs> my bad. Yeah, so. It was just like, you know, get up, find something to eat, and it was never good, which was either going to the school cafeteria that was on the other side of campus or going to a local drive-thru and then going back to my room after that and just just sitting on my ass and playing video games. Like, that was Mm -hmm. a day. And this was a time where um, my first year of college was pretty much almost a complete failure from an academic standpoint because I also just, well, I had no drive, no motivation to do anything, so really my time just consisted of laziness and food. It was mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> um, oh, sh- oh, sure. Yeah. And also, also I identified with something that you said that I mentioned going to that dining hall. It was on the other side of campus. 
Mm-hmm. One of the things I always noticed is I lived on this hall my first year and a great group of people, very close. It was one of the smaller dorm floors on campus, so everybody was very close. And every night around six o'clock, we'd all gather in the lobby and walk to the dining hall, which is easy for someone who's, you know, a normal size. But for me, oh, yeah. I would all, by the time we got there, I'd be sweating, I'd be out of breath. And it was just, mm. you know, it was embarrassing for me and I'd be tired, so I didn't want to do it. So I would always, you know, drive there if I could. Sure. And, and I, I did find a lot of shame in that. There was a lot of things in my life that I found shame in, but I felt like I had to do. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's incredible the thing, especially when you're living, when you built your life around food. It's incredible the things we do, especially now, like I know for you, like, it, and it sounds like what you're saying is something that I've, I've said before. I, I sit back now and I look at the things I used to do to continue enabling that behavior. And it's, it's pure madness, you know? Oh yeah, of course. Driving to the dining hall, you know, driving everywhere, you know, like the, I, the short distances I would drive were insane. Like I almost had to walk as far to my car as I would drive, but wow. it was a little bit further than the car. So I knew I could make it to the car and you also had the car as your safe space to rest in and know you had somewhere to sit if you needed. And it's, it's incredible to me to think about like why those things don't change us. I was talking with someone else earlier and we were talking about like, he didn't make a decision to change his life until a doctor told him that he could die. What do you think held you? What do you think held you back from, from recognizing any of these things as hold on, you know, all of my friends are walking to the dining hall, but I'm driving over there. Like, maybe I should think about that. Like, what do you, what do you think was the driving force that, that kind of held you back from that? You know, it, it's, it's going to say, it may sound weird, but like, I feel like I just didn't care. You know, like I'd mm-hmm. always normalized being the fat kid in my mind. And mm-hmm. until I stepped on the scale of the doctor's office in 2015, I never, re- it never really registered in my head, like how big I was. I mean, I knew I was fat. I knew there were spaces I didn't fit in. I knew I was eating a lot, but I didn't realize it didn't register in my head that, you know, these are wrong until after I started changing. Mm. And I feel like a driving force with that was just not caring. Like I, I always tried not to care what people thought. I always tried, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm living my life, you know, blah, blah, blah. But. And do you think that had, do you you think that had to do with, you know, on some deeper level about the, the pieces you went through, you know, with your, with your family, like having that security taken away, like basically kind of put you in this place of, it could all be taken away at any time. So why should I really care about what's going on around me? I, I feel like that was definitely a driving force. I feel like, I mean, I had a lot of, uh, I mean, I feel like I had a lot of repressed press feelings and I just mm-hmm. you know, almost used food as a coping mechanism, especially while I did have a group of friends in high school, there were obviously the fat, the fat jokes, the, you know, the times that I would, you know, break a chair and, uh, oh, and yeah. I would have to, I'd have to laugh it off. Like, Oh yeah, blah, 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 that was funny. Um, but I feel like I just used food as a coping mechanism. Like, you know, ate my feelings for lack of a better term. Mm. So. And, and I, I don't want to take us completely up to where you are today. Cause I feel like we're talking about some good stuff, but when you, I, I know for me, when I started to lose major amounts of weight, and I didn't have those coping mechanisms anymore. I even right now find it hard to deal with my feelings. Like I can get really happy, really sad. Like I feel them in real strong waves. Like, what do you think what's happened for you in terms of like dealing with your emotions? Like, do you think it's something now that you still struggle with? Have you found new ways to to cope? So I've, I've definitely found new ways to cope and it goes back to finding something that helps you get to your goals that you like. And Mm -hmm. my thing has been, uh, lifting weights. I've nice. found that it's a very good stress outlet. I know it sounds like a very big bro thing to say. Oh yeah, but but yeah, it's just been my outlet. Has been lifting weights, especially. Um, I know fall of twenty nine twenty no not twenty nineteen. We're in twenty nineteen. Yep. Fall of twenty eighteen. Uh, I went through a hard a hard string relationship. Well, that basically that whole year, and mm. there were a lot of feeling, you know, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of you know feelings like that, and. I mean, part of me wanted to, you know, just grab, you know, a Big Mac and, you know, scarf it down. But I, instead of that, I would just go, you know, turn on some heavy music and go deadlift heavy, like 
that was my way to get my stress out. That's awesome, man. I, I think it's a, it's, I've heard it said, you know, do you, do you replace one addiction with another? And isn't that just as bad? And I'm like, well, if one addiction makes me a healthier, stronger person, how is that bad? Right. You know, how is, if you're, you're now channeling, you're channeling something that used to be a literal destructive force in your life into something positive. And even if it becomes, you know, we recognize that we have these, I, I think those of us that have obsessive tendencies, you know, whether it's around food or alcohol or whatever it is, they don't ever completely go away. We just kind of transfer that energy and we find other ways to address it and better ways. Um, and it, and it sounds like, and it sounds like you've, you've found the outlet that works for you. And that's a, that's a, that's a great thing. I think, I think there's a lot of people sitting down listening to this podcast who are in the 400s. Like a, a lot of listeners are guys, but there's also a lot of women listening. And I know I get, you know, messages from people that are 450, 550 pounds and say that they've never tried to diet before. They don't know what to do. They don't feel like they can ever do it. And I, I think, you know, your, your story is showing that, you know, you, you don't have to, you don't have to wait till you're 40 years old like I did to make changes. Like you can, you can, you can catch things before they, you know, take over your entire existence forever. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's never too late. It's never too late to start trying, but the sooner you get, you start, the sooner you're going to get, the, I feel like also the longer you're going to have to live and mm -hmm. the sooner you're going to be out of the bad spot you're in. Nope. Completely. And, um, I always used to, whenever I was, you know, at my heaviest, I always used to, look at people that did what I do now, like, you know, lift, lift weights for fun and all that. I always used to look at them as, you know, douchebags and, um, mm -hmm. obsession, obsessive. And they were cocky. Like I remember one of my best friends from high school, I always, he was very into bodybuilding and, um, I always would call him just a, a cocky, a cocky dude. Like I would always downplay that. Cause, yeah. So well, I, I guess I just didn't understand it or what, but. Well, those of you that know, like those of us that know you know that you, you are a cocky douchebag. But, oh yeah, very much so. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're not a cocky douchebag that is breaking chairs or, you know, getting winded walking up two stairs now. So the, you've got that going for you, man. You've got oh, that yeah, going definitely. for you. Don't have to, I don't have to like <laughs> scout out seating arrangements to see where I'm going to fit. So. Yeah. And, and those are things like that. That's real. Like, did you run into that, you know, especially on the campus, like into classroom issues and any of that? Like, what was what was it like trying to fit your body onto a college campus? Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Not just in uh, high, in college, but also in high school. Those, oh, yeah. uh, those desks that were attached to the chair were almost mm -hmm. always out of the question. Um, first off, I remember the high school I went to was very small. So it was actually a K through 12. and um, the elementary school, all that was on the first floor, and the second floor was all high school, middle school. And I remember having almost take a minute after I walked up the stairs. I didn't want to walk into class winded because I was embarrassed mm -hmm. that oh, I was yeah. embarrassed that I was out of breath from one like one or two flights of stairs. And and then I remember once I got into class, I had to either find the biggest possible desk, like those desks that were attached to the chairs. I had to find a specific one that I fit in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times I meant moving t chairs around if there was a small one or sitting at the table at the back of the class, if there was one. Mm. And I remember almost having to wedge myself in there to get in and having to like spin around to get out. And, and that was my high school experience. And then college, I also remember the same thing. Um, we had a lecture hall that was probably fit 80 to a hundred people and it was auditorium style seating. But it had the smallest chairs. Well, to me, they seemed like the smallest chairs. And I just remember I physically could not fit in them. Mm. So I had to basically sit on the edge of the seat, out, like the very edge outside of the, um, what's called, arms of the chair. Yep. So it was, it was definitely a challenge fitting myself into, you know, these, those desks and the college setting and, a lot of times and, this is embarrassing. So, and realistically, like when you're having to worry about that, that you're on the edge of that chair, how do you pay attention in a lecture like that? Like, how do you, how do like I, I, I don't think that's the thing that sometimes people understand. Like the, 
the amount of mental energy it takes to exist at that size because of the the worries and concerns and what's going to happen next. And like, I know with chairs like that also, they're usually not supported that great on the bottom. So you can almost feel like, I, I like, you're going to like this. You're you'll probably actually enjoy this story, but two yeah. time, two times I have broken chairs at Gillette stadium, the home of the New England Patriots. Oh um, man. Yeah. I, I snapped. I, I went with a friend. It was actually the summer of 2013, the summer that I had my dramatic regain. And I was at my then heaviest 480 um, at that time. You know, obviously my, uh, my real heaviest was much bigger than that, but I was 480. We had to walk over a mile to the stadium from the tailgating area. I didn't realize that that was going to have to happen. So by the <laughs> time we got to the stadium, I was luckily the friend that I was with honestly was, was one of those people that was more of like, a caregiver for me in my size, like with someone who always was actually on some levels, almost enabling behavior uh, because, you know, made it easier for me to not have to get up and do things and things along those lines. And so he understood and he knew like that we were resting every fit, you know, hundred feet or so, like, you know, he, he got it. So I wasn't embarrassed to be with him, but we were sitting on these, these plastic seats in the stadium and we were actually, you know, using um, seats of, of, a, you know, tickets of a friend of mine. And, um, we're sitting there and like five minutes into sitting, I feel myself go down about a foot and a half. Ooh. And my friend looks at me and he's like, did you just break the seat? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I think I did. I think I broke it. And he's like, well, let's, and the seat was still kind of like a quarter of the way up. So like, it wasn't like completely down. So he, he swapped with me and I swapped into his seat and he's like, there must've just been a problem with the seat. Cause you know, the one I'm in seems sturdy. So I sat in that one. And that one broke too, but I didn't Ooh. want to let him know that I broke a second seat. So I actually basically squatted the whole game, like literally squatted, like held myself up, like made it look like I was still sitting, even though the seat really wasn't under my butt anymore. I just pressed my back against it. So now I'm in this like screaming pain, watching my favorite football team of all time, do a pretty good job playing. And then it was, I think it was third quarter. It started pouring. And so everyone kind of got up from the seats and went under like a, a covered area. And I was so happy that we all got up and moved under the, under that covered area because I was able to kind of rest against a wall and not be squatting anymore. My legs were on fire. On I fire. can imagine. But I, I know you've dealt with, with some embarrassing, like you were starting to say, like some embarrassing situations. Like let's, let's dive into that fat guy experience. Like what, what are what are what are, were some of your most embarrassing moments um, at your at your heaviest right when you were getting bigger? Oh man, one one that always sticks out to me when I think of especially breaking chairs and just thinking about um, just think about that topic um, mm -hmm. was in my senior year of high school. Um, I I didn't weigh myself around this time, so I can't say what I was at, but I was definitely over four hundred. Sure, um, <laughs> but it was one. Oh, I yeah. can't remember how far into the school year we were, but it was near the end. And like I said, I had to find certain places to sit. Oh, and yeah. this particular class had a table that was separate from the desks, so I could sit at that and just had a chair that scooted out as far as I needed to. And <laughs> and I remember leaning back just a little bit in that chair, and it was those plastic blue chairs you see in um, mm. all the classrooms. And I remember sitting back in that, and slowly I started to sink down, and I didn't realize what was mm. happening. <laughs> and then... Just the back legs of that chair just completely bent. Oh god! And I'm, and I'm almost falling in slow motion. <laughs> it felt mm -hmm. like. And next thing I know, I'm just on the ground, and I hear a few people just dying, laughing. And of course, at oh, this yeah. point, I'm, I, I like I, I you always like to laugh it off to, um, to act like oh yeah yeah that was a joke oh, yeah. oh, that was hilarious yeah like you, you don't want to act embarrassed you just want to be like oh yeah that was funny, but. Oh, I I think that is like like you hit you hit it on the head right there. Like I I think when you're that big and you're dealing with you know people making jokes, like you learn that if you make the joke first, they're not going to make it. You know, because they're just going to sit there. Oh yeah, man! Like it, and 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 then it becomes your identity. Like you and I have talked about that. Like I I made I built my identity as the happy fat guy. So no matter what happened, I would laugh. Or if I showed up somewhere with friends and there was no way I was getting into the seats, it would be more like, oh, I guess we're not going to go here, you know, or no <laughs> booth for me, or I guess I'll just go sit in the car. Like, I, you know, I would say, like, 
I guess I'll just go take my dinner in the car. You know, like, you gotta, because if we don't make light of it, the gravity of the situation starts to really come into play. Like, you start to realize that you're outgrowing the world, but hey, if it's funny, at least you can laugh at it. Like, it's, it's, you know, and, and then, like, unlike you, like, I dealt with a lot of teasing and, like, I, my way to rebel against that teasing was you think I'm, you think I'm fat. You want, you, you want to call my body fat? Well, I'm going to show you my body. You know, like, you're not going to, I, as, as soon as I was a teenager, I was like, shirts off in the pool. Like, don't care. Like, don't really care about that. You know, 540 pounds. Let's jump right in. You know, like, let's make that happen. Like, it's not a worry to me. And I, I think that's also why I end up with so many kind of, um, I consider hilarious and some people are terrified by the, my before pictures that I share on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I tend to get some good DMS. They're like, why do you have these pictures? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's a good question. I'm like, my life was like a freak show. Like I, but the more I put my life on display, the more it wasn't weird when people saw me, you know, if I ran because you'd run into someone coming out of McDonald's with four bags, like, Oh, Hey, you know, up oh, there's just Mike, you know, or, coming out of a pizza place with two pizzas up oh, there goes Mike. Like it wasn't a weird thing because I, I, I made it so public. Right. I, I, I know exactly how you feel. I'm like, I had that exact same um, idea of if I make this joke first, then I'm kind of taking the ammo away from them. Like I always mm-hmm. joke that if I was skinny, I'd be the best fat guy bully just cause I knew all, I made all the fat jokes. And oh yeah. It's honestly something that's on, almost carried over to my current life. Like a lot of my mm-hmm. friends, they know they know me for <laughs> for making really bad self-deprecating jokes, and mm-hmm. it's it's something I find funny. But I don't know if it's still me kind of taking ammo away, or just I'm actually like joking about myself. But it it's something that's almost carried over. Um, oh, I I, I don't I don't think I don't think no I was gonna say I don't think we cure those those self-esteem issues overnight. So I definitely think those those tools that protected us for a long time remain behind man. Right. Definitely. And, um, also I uh, speak talking like this. I, I thought of another very, very embarrassing story. Probably one of my most embarrassing experiences from my freshman year of college. Lay it on me, man. Um, so every, every, like, so the dorm floor was on, they have, they had a lot of traditions because it was an older dorm and a very small floor. So everybody was close, as I said earlier. And one of our traditions was Island night. And, um, I've, I've actually spoken about this before, but it's definitely one of the most embarrassing stories. Even, even thinking about it, I'm kind of cringing. So basically the idea was we drive to the lake and then everybody gets in canoes and, you know, floats to the island and we hang out for the night, light a fire, you know, just kind of hang out. And it's almost like a team building bonding experience. Sure. And I remember I was the first one to get in the canoe. And as soon as I got in the canoe, that thing touched the bottom. Mm. And first off, it was hard for me to get in the canoe because, well, I, w- I was definitely above 450 at this point, and right. it was hard for me to get in and get my legs under. And as soon as it hit the bottom, they started to cast it off, but it was, you know, instantly going down. Mm. And um, so we just had to pull it out. And then when it came time to, because we obviously, co- I obviously couldn't go to the island when it came time to, for me to get out of the canoe it took you know two people to help me out mm-hmm. and a good three to four minutes to actually for me to get out of the canoe and thankfully they were nice and they, instead of like you know saying like hey you can't we we gotta go on without you they ended up just having the night on the kind of on the shore and i remember feeling just i was happy because i was able to participate but at the same time i was so embarrassed because you know i felt like i was a burden to them and like that I was holding them back from, you know, this tradition. Oh, sure. And it was that, yeah, that was it. It was just embarrassment, you know, just on a whole nother level. Cause not only am I being a detriment to myself, but a whole group of guys. So. And now let me, let me ask you this question. The first one that pops up for me, that happens the next time you ate, did you watch what you ate or did you eat more? Uh, I, I don't remember exactly, but I, yeah. I almost never watched what I ate when I got when yeah. I got to that size. So most likely I ate more, but I just remember. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just think about how for me experiences like that sometimes drove me to 
binge episodes or things along those lines because you know kind of like reacting to them happening so it's i just you know i need to i need to ask that definitely i remember certain episodes you know like because i mean while i didn't deal with a ton of teasing Mm -hmm. um well at least like mean teasing like i dealt with the you know everyone making fad jokes like you know we're all we all like each other but you know we gotta rag on each other oh yeah and after a bunch i mean at first like a couple of them didn't really phase me but once it started piling on it would start you know starting to tear me down and i remember after days like that i would definitely you know either drive home like hit a drive through on the way home and get enough food for a couple people or go to a buffet and eat for more than two people so mm. so let's let's talk about that for a minute because i know i know people like to hear some of those stories and you and i have thrown those back and forth to each other and I won't. I won't try to outdo you. I promise. Uh, <laughs> but but what was it like when you would you would hit a drive through and you know kind of you know one of your one of your full you know you were hungry and you're hitting a drive through. What what were you doing? Yeah. So one of the orders I always remember the most was um, going to McDonald's. And again, don't don't try to outdo me here because I know you got it in you. Um, <laughs> I would go to McDonald's and it would be two twenty piece chicken nuggets a Big Mac, a large fry, and two large Cokes. And mm-hmm. that that's one of the ones I remember. And then I also remember um, my Chick-fil-A order was I'd have two chicken sandwiches, two orders of nuggets, two orders of fries, and sometimes I'd buy a gallon of sweet tea and pretty mm-hmm. much drink it in a night. And that's where a lot of my really bad calories came from was I loved soda, I loved sweet tea. Oh, yeah. I would drink liters of it at a time, and yeah, yeah. I don't think people. I don't think people realize how fast that those calories add up. Oh, definitely, especially when you're drinking a two liter of Coke at a time. Mm-hmm. It's it adds up really, really quickly, and it goes down easy. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Especially when you're drinking I mean, like out I, of the bottle. That's the thing is like when I see someone, especially someone who's like of average weight or, or even lighter weight. And they're like, oh, you know, I have like half a glass of Coke and I'm, I'm bloated and I'm full. And I'm like, I just don't understand what that means. I, I don't <laughs> think that's, I, I don't, I don't, under, that doesn't compute to me because to me, a two liter was what you got to go with the meal. Right. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's like, you know, we, it's, it's, it's funny now because like you're, you're into training now with, you know, your power lifting, like. We trained ourselves at the table. Like you don't start out eating that way overnight. Like it's 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 something you build up to. Like it it, it takes it takes some time and effort. Yeah, and I, I remember building up to it too because I remember part of the way I rationalized it at the beginning was I played high school football for three years, and part of the way I rationalized it was, oh, I'm practicing so much. Oh, I'm uh, you know, working out so much. I can I can mm-hmm. I can eat this, and it would be like you know, I'd get a twenty piece nugget and eat it and be like oh okay that was that was good and then slowly that you know it grew to you know two of them and then add fries and add a burger mm-hmm. and i even remember like when i was in college I, as i mentioned earlier i had a lot of shame about what i ate oh yeah so um not only did i eat a lot in the car but i also would pr- almost i guess pre-eat like pre-game the meal might be a, a good term oh yeah like I would, like I would go to a like a chicken place and get, you know, two or three meals and eat like one of them in the car. And then so when I got back to my dorm and ate that, I didn't look as bad. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Oh yeah, I, I I get that. I I there were many times that I would pregame dinner with my family because I knew I wasn't going to be able to eat enough at dinner to feel full. So I would I I had a McDonald's right near where I live. And it was about a 20, 25 minute drive to meet up with my family for dinner. And I had to like the, my order timed perfectly for what I could eat, you know, between here and there. And then by the time I got there, you know, crumble up the bag, shove it under the seat, make sure I get rid of it eventually so that no one could tell, you know, put the windows down too. Because you, as you know, McDonald's and those fast food places have pretty distinct smells. Oh, and yeah. 100%. So, so if someone, someone gets in your car after you've just downed eight double cheeseburgers. They're smelling some some nasty beef, you know. There's oh, yeah. there there's a, there's a good smell. Uh, so like you know the things we do to kind of cover that up are are, are incredible sometimes. But yeah, that guy hotboxing. Oh yeah, oh completely, 
And then there's sometimes like you, you have those, I don't know if you would ever have this happen. Like you get in your car like the next day and you're like, oh, I smell it now still. It's still there. Oh, I, I, I feel like I need to go back. Oh, oh. Definitely. It would definitely mm. trigger some cravings. Like I'd, I'd smell the McDonald's or the Jack in the Box. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, that sounds really good right now. I drove by, I have, it's been pretty warm up here. Like not the warmth that y'all deal with down south, but it's been warm (laughs) up here and the AC in my car is dead. So I was driving around the other day with windows down and I hit like probably lunch rush time going through this populated area. And there I drove by a McDonald's and a Burger King. And as soon as I passed the Burger King, that flame broiled Whopper smell hit my car. And I immediately in my head was like, oh my God, I could go for some Burger King. Now, rationally, do I want Burger King? No. Am I going to do it? No. But in it, it is that guy inside of me in, in a in a second saying, you know, we could just pull into Burger King. Uh, like, oh, yeah, he's there. Oh, yeah. Right. And it just um, takes opening the door to him. Oh, yeah. And, and so let's let's move on. Like, I, I feel like we could probably we could hang out in Fat Town for a long time, you know, and, oh, and keep talking, keep, you know, keep swapping stories. But we'll we'll save some of that. Like, let's talk about your life now, like the changes you've made you know, your mindset changes, like powerlifting is something that you, you, you've mentioned before already. How did you discover it? Like, how did you come upon it and, and how, how did it become a passion? So, um, I went to, I went to UNCG for my last two years of uh, college after I graduated mm-hmm. from community college, I transferred over there and, uh, I got the opportunity to play with their club team, which is kind of like a step down from NCAA because they didn't have a, um, an actual football team, like a NCAA team. So we had the club team, which was still full pad, full, um, full everything. So, um, I got that opportunity to play the sport I loved again. And Mm -hmm. once that first season was over, I actually, something happened that I got that I'd never thought would happen in my life. We had a, uh, a sports banquet at the end of the year and the lineman coach or the head coach was given out awards and I ended up earning or winning most improved offensive player. And so when he was given the speech, um, he gave a little speech before he told who was. He was talking about how I worked hard and everything. And then he said the words, he is undersized for alignment. Oh, wow. And yeah, I never thought I'd hear those words in my life. And oh, wow. you know, that kind of tr- that kind of triggered me to say, like, okay, maybe I just need to, you know, get a little bit stronger and more athletic for the sport. You know, maybe that could help me. So I started diving more into that. And then I had a great group of friends in the UNCG gym. That's honestly where I spent a lot of my time when I was there. Sure. I'd spend, you know, <laughs> probably three or four hours in the gym or even more just cause, you know, lifting and then hanging out and then lifting some more. And, and it was just a great community and I kind of slowly dipped my toes into it. And then once football was over, I met up with a couple friends, um, who were already competing. I saw them do their first, well, I didn't see them, but I saw videos from their first power to me and I'm like, I want to do that. And since then, I've been working with a couple of them who've really helped me. And it was really that community that just kind of got me into it. Um, that's that's really awesome, man. And I think that's a key on on our our journeys, especially when we've especially when we've been the type of fat guy that isolates ourselves with food and with eating and with all of those behaviors. Like finding ways to reach out to other people to get support and, and reinforce the new behavior is really, really important. And it sounds like you've, you've definitely done that. Definitely. Like instead of, you know, someone enforcing me to eat, you know, copious amounts of food, someone's enforcing me, Hey, get one more rep. Hey, put another 45 on that bar. Hey, do this. Hey, oh, yeah. Like, you know, Hey, fix your hey. form here. So it's positive reinforcement. And And you have actually done a meet now, haven't you? Yeah, I did my first meet back in March. What was that like? And it was so it it was a great experience. I it was such a it was almost such a rush for me because it wasn't a big crowd because it's a local meet, but it was like just amazing to finally be, you know, competing. And it was just it there was just no feeling like it. Almost it was almost like another like having a game day again from football. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the challenges for me was as you've probably seen on my Instagram, um powerlifters when you compete you have to wear a singlet mm-hmm. and you know you, uh, you've experienced this whenever you lose a lot of weight that skin has to go that skin doesn't go away oh yeah your body is awkwardly shaped because mm-hmm. you built this you built this body in a certain way and it's not going to go back to the way human body is supposed to look so oh yeah 
I was always nervous about that. And the days leading up to the meet, like the couple weeks leading up to the meet, I actually had to wear the singlet in the gym around people I was comfortable with just to kind of mm-hmm. get, like, get comfortable with it. And it was almost, it was almost like back to my old days when I used to cope with humor to kind of mm-hmm. like take the ammunition away from them. So like I have a lot of my loose skin hangs like, you know, right, right above my midsection mm-hmm. or, and where my stomach is. And whenever you put on a singlet, it, it really amplifies the way it looks. Well, at least in my eyes, it did. Oh, it doesn't hide a, a singlet doesn't hide anything. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Nothing yeah. to the imagination. So I always start, I would start making jokes about myself, like, Hey, look, it's seen your front butt or, right. you know, something, something like that. Just, just oh, yeah. like make people laugh and kind of like ease the, ease the nervousness from me. But once I got on the platform and started lifting, it was, you know, I felt perfectly comfortable with it. Yeah. I was going to say, what was the, did, did that all go away? You know, as soon as you stepped up, it, it did. It definitely did. Cause I was more mm-hmm. focused on. Cause I was nervous because my first one and I was nervous. Right. Like, am I going to hit depth on the squad or am I getting like, how am I setting up here? It was, it is kind of like low on my priority list once I actually got up there. Cause I mean, there's nothing I could really do about it then. So, Oh yeah. Got to roll with it. Yeah. And, and so we, we have to talk about something that happened at this meet. Oh boy. Something, <laughs> something, something that like literally has birthed a meme. Um, yep. <laughs> what, why don't you tell people, Something that happened to you that wasn't an embarrassment due to your size. Like we've already covered those stories. Like what, what happened at your meet, Joel? Tell us. Open up. Um, so if you don't know powerlifting, you compete in three different events. You compete in the squat, the bench and the deadlift, and you get three mm-hmm. attempts for each, each, each lift. Squats went three for three on, hit a PR, felt great. Bench also hit, went three for three. And I got to the deadlifts and this was the event I was most excited for because I'd been making amazing progress in the gym. I had a lot of my friends were hyping it up and I uh, did my first attempt. Felt great. Nothing out of the ordinary. But I get to my second attempt and get the bar to about mid thigh and out of nowhere, I just start spewing chunks everywhere. Almost like mm-hmm. if you've watched wrestling, look like Triple H or if you didn't look kind of like a water fountain, uh, oh, yeah. or a sprinkler, a very, <laughs> a sprinkler in a singlet. So yeah, that would, that was my, that was my meat experience. And, and now for anyone who's listening, who isn't familiar with powerlifting and, and, you know, strength sports, this happens to other people. This wasn't just Joel. Like this isn't just a Joel thing. Like I I've seen it happen before. I've seen it, you know, I've seen videos, I've seen still photos. So obviously this wasn't, you know, you did something, you know, there was something specific to you that was screwed up in the situation, but that happened. What was that like when that ha- Like, did you just roll with it? You know, what, it, what was that like? Well, um, I honestly, like the, the attitude I conditioned myself with when I was a fat guy kind of helped mm-hmm. me here oh, yeah. because I'm able to shrug off situations and laugh them off almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I did it, seeing it from your first person point of view was just something else. Cause I was like, what the fuck is coming out of my mouth right now? Mm-hmm. And, um, I dropped the weight. Obviously, I could. I didn't get the attempt because I didn't finish right. it. Um, but I walked off, and everybody kind of was quiet that knew me. Oh yeah, uh, they were quiet at first because they wanted to make sure I was okay. But then, right, everybody just started laughing, and I was able to laugh along with it because it was right. something that was unexpected and funny. Um, <laughs> it actually ended up. I went over to the side where the chairs were for coaches and lifters that were on deck. And people started running up to me like, "Hey, I need that video. I need that video." Yeah. So I ended up, <laughs> I ended up airdropping it to pretty much everybody who had airdrop on. So I was able to laugh it off. It was a little bit embarrassing just because mm-hmm. you know it kind of put a meet the platform to a halt because people had to stop and clean it up. And oh yeah, I I ended up, I, <laughs> I felt terrible, but you know it happens. Um, and then I ended up coming back on the third attempt and just crushing the lift. So. That felt great. Just redeeming. Well, well, and that's what I wanted to get to with it. Like you had that experience happen, you know, that for some people might've made them not go back for that third attempt. You know, like I, I, I think you faced that moment and showed like it, it came out of intensity and it, you know, it didn't lessen your intensity at all, man. Like I, I think that's, that's pretty epic. I think that's pretty epic. Right. And um, thank you. But my part of my mindset was like, 
I wasn't going to leave that meet without deadlifting 500 pounds. Like that was my goal mm-hmm. from the get go was deadlift 500 pounds. And this was 507. Um, and you can't go back down once you've gone to a certain weight. So right. I was like, I either get this or I go home without my goal. And mm-hmm. my coach at the time, he was like, he was asking me, Hey, what do you want to do? And then the guy who is my coach now, uh, his name is Tristan. He came up to me and I was the only one in the weight class, thankfully. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I already won, but, um, because, well, obviously default. But he came up to me and he's like, hey, look, you've already won your weight class. We don't want you to get disqualified. We don't want to risk it happening again. And I was like, screw it, I'm doing it. Yep. So as soon as I stepped back on the platform for that third one, everybody took a step back. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> the head judge was kind of eyeing me. and mm. But it was a great feeling just to get it up after that. Well, that's awesome, man. I think it's, I think it's great that you set that goal you went out there and you did it. And I, I think there's a lot of people that, that think about things like that. And I mean, really think about where you came from. I mean, you were a few years before that you were 467 pounds, you know, right. and, and having, having trouble standing up after getting into a boat. And then you were, you know, completing your, your three lifts at a, at a power lifting meet. I, I think that's, that's admirable, man. Like, I think you're showing that change is possible if you work for it. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's my message. Is like I always, I always want to show people that it's possible because I saw when I first started, or before, actually even before I first started. When um back then, I didn't really think. I just thought it was who I was was a fat guy, and I wasn't going to mm-hmm. change. And I saw this guy on Instagram. Um, he doesn't post as much anymore. Uh, but his name is Biggie O'Donnell, mm-hmm. and um. I saw him and I saw his transformation. He lost probably 250 pounds and he was jacked after that. And I was like, oh, maybe it's possible. Mm-hmm. And then early on, I also saw, I'm sure everybody knows obese to beast. I saw him. Oh like, yeah. This, this, this is possible. So it kind of put that idea in my head that it's possible. So I want to do the same thing for people who may be in my situation or just a similar situation. I want to like, you know, plant the seeds that, Hey, you can do this. And, and I think you are, man. I, I think you share some pretty epic before and after pictures, and and you've done you've you've started recently sharing the stories behind a lot of them when you post them. And I I think that is the piece that makes that connection for people. They can they can read it and say, "Wow, that that's exactly how I'm feeling right now." And look what look what he's done. Like, what is it like for you to be active? Like, I, I know you're mostly active on Instagram. Like, what is it like for you to be out there and active? Like, do you hear from people? Like, what what is that experience been like for you so far? I, I definitely hear from people and I'll, sometimes I'll get a message. Like the other day I got a message from someone who said, um, it was a lady from Australia and she said, Hey, I saw, I found your page. I'm losing weight and very self-conscious. And I've, you've pushed me to, you know, wear a swimsuit whenever we go on a cruise, like that mm-hmm. m- makes me happy. And then that's, that's what she said. And then, um, I saw, I know another guy who, started off not not quite where we were but he was from the philippines and he mm-hmm. ended up losing a ton of weight and running marathons and doing oh wow great uh, i actually think it was a half marathon my bad but but still impressive no and that's still awesome i just see all these victories like people telling me about them and some people ask for help some people just you know want to share their story and i just i love hearing all of it and it took me a while to get out there and get because i almost felt like no one cared because mm-hmm. i've always been like i I was raised to be like, you know, very keep, keep your cards close to your chest kind of thing. Oh yeah. But recently I've tried to just open up more, especially with the stories. Cause it was always so embarrassing to just even think about where I was mm-hmm. in life. And now that I am where I am, I, I had to realize like, you know, maybe this, maybe someone else is going through this. Maybe, um, maybe this could help someone or maybe it can even help me, you know, talk about my, talk about my past problems and, you know, identify a pattern before it repeats itself or god forbid you know oh for sure and and that's i th- i think you're 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 bringing it to a good place because when we share our stories and we share our experiences it's not just yes it it, it is about inspiring other people and giving other people that push and, and i do want to talk about that but i think also there's this benefit back to ourselves that we don't realize until we start doing it you know, one, how good it can feel to share some of those things and have someone say they dealt with the same thing. But also, you get to start ex- examining some of the things that you've done and say, wait a minute, what was I doing there? Like, what did that actually mean to me? Like, did that experience mean more than I thought it did? And did that have a bigger impact on me now? And 
maybe I should look into that more. And like, it's, it's that whole process of self-discovery and that only comes by opening those doors. And like, and it doesn't mean to share for the sake of sharing, but it means, you know, when you've got a story to tell, like, don't be afraid to tell that story. Right. And a lot of the times also sharing my story and like, you know, seeing before and afters and, uh, seeing weights that I'm lifting, like, it almost helps me because sometimes I'll get a rut and I'll be up mm-hmm. in weight or I'll be, you know, not hitting a plateau in training. And then I'll have to look back and see like, you know, I'm hitting, I'm hitting a weight that I couldn't have even dreamed of hitting last year. And I know I'm hitting it on a consistent basis and, or I'm maintaining a weight that I couldn't have dreamed of four years ago. Right. And I have to look at it that way. And once I look at it that way, it's like, okay, it's just a, just a roadblock we're going to get through this. So it can help you reignite, reignite the, you know, I got this kind of feeling, if that makes sense. It definitely does, man. It definitely does. One of the things I told you, I wanted to talk to you about if we get a chance was if you were, cause I I think right now there's someone possibly even named Joel sitting out there who's 400, 500 pounds and thinks that they can't do it. And they don't even, they don't know how to get started. Like what, what would you, so like, even if you want to imagine talking to your yourself at 467 pounds, like what, what do you want to say? Like what, what's most important for that person to hear? I think the most important thing for me to hear or anyone in that situation is wake up and, Mm -hmm. you know, look at, take a look at your life. Like seriously, look at where you are in life. Is it where you want to be? Are you like, because that was part of the thing for me is I had to like sit back and look and realize, okay, this habit is disgusting. Okay. This habit is disgusting. Okay. This, that, the other, and stop normalizing it in a way. Mm-hmm. If that means mm-hmm. like, don't justify it in your head. Cause I, I had all these justifications in my head for why I was eating so much or why I was, you know, driving somewhere instead of walking or why I wasn't exercising. That's one of the things I needed to hear was, you know, cut your bullshit kind of thing for sure. It sounds harsh, but I'm just going off what I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. But also on a lighter note, I would say you got this Mm -hmm. stay consistent and don't be afraid to ask for help for sure. Cause for a long time, I, uh, as I said, I hid my eating. I wasn't, I was ashamed of my eating, but once I opened up about it and started getting help from my aunt and uncle and, a trainer at my at my work and just started talking about it and working through it versus just hiding it i actually got results that's awesome man i really i really think that's awesome so we're we've been talking for almost an hour now there there is a kind of another step to this that i want to you know in terms of your journey that i want to i want to dive into a little bit if we have some time um and so now you're, you're at a place where, you know, powerlifting is what you're doing. You know, you're, you, you've got your eating, you've got your eating nailed, you know, you've got your exercise nailed. Are you afraid of, of gaining weight back? And, and what, what's your thought process about how you, you prevent that from happening or how you prevent the old Joel from coming back? It's, I mean, cause I've gained weight the one time before in my life. And I feel mm-hmm. like, cause it's something you've experienced, like you went back to 480, yep. but like, Going backwards and then not just going backwards, but going all the way back, like even further gone than I was. Yep. Um, it that kind of motivates me. And every time I start seeing the scale creep back up, I'm like, okay, you got to get it together. Like I've I've been more self aware about it. Um, sure. It it is terrifying to me that mm-hmm. I might regain the weight, and but I, I don't think I'll, I don't think it'll ever realistically happen. I mean. Mm-hmm. Because I've always set like dead stops to it, or like warning signs, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. sure, I'll put weight on for powerlifting a little bit, but like if it gets to a certain point, you know, it's not. I I gotta be real with myself. You know, it's not. It's like, all right, you're not putting a muzzle at this one, or you're putting on too much fat at this point. Because right. I'm not gonna say all my weight that I put on was muzzle because it wasn't. But you know, it's just kind of like holding yourself accountable and not forgetting where you started and why you started. So it sounds like real realize. Oh, it definitely makes sense, man. Cause it sounds like you're saying like you really, and this is something that I've thought a lot about is like, you can't let as, as much as your goals change, you, you can't be, 
you can't let that vigilance stop in terms of paying attention to what you're doing. Like realizing that the, the same kind of level of assessment of behavior needs to stay in place just to make sure that you're not running into those, you know, those roadblocks you set up or, or falling into those old patterns. And it doesn't mean that you're always going to be exactly the same as you were when you were in that process of losing 250 pounds. But it does mean that you can't go back to that place. Cause I think we used to live, and I, I think you'd agree with this. Like we used to live our lives trying to be unaware of our, the results and consequences of our behavior. Mm-hmm. I a hundred percent agree, man. We were definitely blissfully unaware or blissfully oh. ignorant would be a oh. good term. Oh yeah. Like I, I think like, I know for me, like I worked at being ignorant of it. Like I, you know, it sounds like you didn't deal with a lot of the health issues that I did that I used to vehemently ignore. And I, I think like you're saying, like you need, you, as long as you maintain that conscious awareness, it, it's a different process. Yep. A hundred percent agree. And it's almost like I've been blessed with a second chance. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I was on the verge of death or I was never in the hospital. I right. never had diabetes or high blood pressure. Like any of the problems that are associated with the morbidly obese, I didn't really have. I mean, I'm sure I had the threat of them, but I oh, sure. I got out of where I was before that became an issue. So but, that's and, great. And that, that's another thing that's always worried me speaking about like talking about where being scared of going back where we were mm-hmm. is has the damage been done to a certain extent? Right. Like how does my body go, going to react going forward with, you know, how much damage to being 467 pounds do on my joints? How much damage did it do to my, you know, my heart, how much damage mm-hmm. did it do to this, that, the other. And yeah, that that's another thing that always crosses my mind when talking about that. Oh, and I, I think you're spot on, man. I, I, I think, especially one, I think age and the amount of time that you're overweight affects it. But like, I know for me, like in terms of my mobility and my physical capability, when I was 540 versus say 480, I was in about the same shape. Like, you know, the, the, I mean, 60 pounds is, is a significant amount of difference in weight, but I think my health was worse at 480 than it was at 540. Like, I, I think our bodies can only take so much and being conscious of that. And I, I think thinking about that is something that's important for you. Like to think about what would life be like if you went back to that weight, it would even be different than it was for you the first time. I'm sure. Definitely. Yeah. And I feel like. If I started getting like also on another note of going back to that weight would be the clothes fitting because you talk about this all the time with des- the that that store. Oh yeah, and I feel like if I ever got to that point where I had to start buying bigger clothes that I that, of sizes that I haven't been in in two years, it would be a wake up call and you know almost like a shame if that makes sense. But, oh, completely. But one of the great things, you know, that I know I have going for me is having people like you around and you've got me and some other great people around you, whether we're virtual or right in person that Definitely. are going to speak up if, if, if things start to happen to any of us. Like, I, I think that's important. I think finding people that will say, OK, if you actually post a picture of you with a pizza, you know, saying that you're off the rails, you know, we're, we're the next people on the plane heading there to, 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 to slap that crap out of your hand. Oh yeah, I've always told you if I see you in a McDonald's drive-thru, I'm pulling you out of the car and beating you. But <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. But another another person that like I have you and I have another couple friends on Instagram yep. that hold me accountable. They've been in the same situation, but also my girlfriend Caitlin. She's yep. also lost a bunch of weight. Like she was, I think her heaviest she was around 400 pounds. Oh wow! And also she had the same experience of being um, fat at a younger age. Like I, I mm-hmm. believe she was in high school when she had most of her weight on. And she lost the weight, so she's been through a lot of the same experiences as me, um, weight-wise. Like, we we talk about that a lot. Like, we've, like, how life is now versus then and mental struggles right. with weight loss. And um, I feel like she like she definitely holds me accountable. Like, that, it's a blessing. So, to that's have awesome, someone man. like that in your life that's, you know, been through the same stuff. And that's why I'm thankful for her and, you know, the friends I have that have been there. That's awesome, man. And it, it sounds like definitely with her, like the, the, you can commiserate with each other in ways that people who haven't been there can't. Right. And Cause so, I've definitely, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I wasn't, I wasn't saying anything. You go ahead. Uh, 
Gotcha. Yeah, I was gonna say I've, I've, da- I've dated people who haven't been in that situation, and it's mm-hmm. you know, like I feel like my connection with her is like another level just because we've been through a lot of the same like areas, and it's definitely a different level of commiseration at that point. Well, well that's really awesome, man. I really I, that's good to hear. That's really good to hear. So, Joel, I, I think sadly, it we we should start wrapping this up. Uh, I really want to say thank you. I appreciate your you sharing your story with everyone today and, and diving into some of these topics. You know, we, we took it in some, definitely some fat guy directions. And I think that's really great uh, for people to hear, um, not just to hear my stories, but to hear, you know, hear another guy talk about breaking a chair for once besides me. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's I, a good I, thing. I definitely agree. And also just showing people they're not alone. It's not mm-hmm. just one person in the situation. It's, they have a whole community behind them and we just, we all support each other, you know? Exactly. Is, Joel, is there anything else, any last words you want to have or anything that we started to talk about that you want to say a little bit more on or just last words you want to leave the Fat Guy Forum audience with today? I, I guess the last words I'm going to leave y'all with is y'all got this. Like, no matter how far gone you think you are, no matter how, how, like, how long you've waited in life, no matter how, what stage you are, you got this. If you put your head down, put in the work towards your goals, and stay consistent. You can do whatever you want. Well, I think that I think that's perfect, man. How can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Big J Reed, and yeah, that's pretty much the most the platform I'm most active on. Well, that sounds great, man. I know I'm sure I'll see you on there real soon. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening today. This has been another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. If you haven't yet rated us on whatever app you're using, please do that. You know. The, the nicer you are, the better. Uh, but if you have any ideas about topics or anything you want to talk about from this episode or any other ones you've listened to, you can find me on Instagram at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto on Twitter at Gourmet goes keto. And also you can email the show if you want to just drop us a note, the fat guy forum at gmail.com. So as always, as I leave you, I want to remind you, like like Joel said, you got this. We don't say that lightly. Like You can make these changes. You're an amazing person. So do something today to amaze yourself, and I'll be talking to you all real soon.